0: Greetings podcast listeners, and welcome to another episode of my podcast series on Mussolini's Italy. In this episode, I'll be speaking about Mussolini's use of propaganda. The following podcast is based on the Cambridge A-Level History Curriculum. During the rule of the fascists, Mussolini used propaganda to brainwash Italian citizens into ensuring support and increasing his popularity. He used various types of propaganda to achieve this. Examples include newspapers and posters, radio and cinema, sports and rallies, art, sculptures and exhibitions, literature, philosophy and culture. Let's begin with newspapers. Now, Mussolini had already ensured that newspapers would be fully supportive of the fascist party, as all anti-fascist newspapers, including foreign newspapers, had been banned. To ensure patriotism, they required that all journalists should be approved by and registered with the fascist party. Therefore, even if they did not support fascism, if they wished to read a newspaper, the people of Italy had no choice but to read the fascist-supporting ones. And thus, more and more Italians were influenced as they read news which constantly promoted fascism, and portrayed Mussolini's government in a very positive light. Newspapers were used to promote the fascist ideology such as militarism, nationalism, and extremism. For example, when Italy joined World War II on the side of Germany, in an article titled People of Italy, Run to Arms, they stated that it was Italy's destiny to join the war. As an ally of Nazi Germany, they also used the newspaper to spread Hitler's news and Nazi German propaganda, such as anti-Semitism. Secondly, fascist Italy used posters to convey a number of messages, such as Mussolini's brilliance, the power of fascism, and the threat of communism. We found one poster with a large face of Mussolini above smoking factories, the caption being, Greetings to the deuce, the founder of the empire. Clearly this had the purpose of celebrating the Italian leader, showing how he has established power and authority over national image, by leading the country through great development and expansion, and the power over the nation he had as a whole. With the factories, in the foreground and background, it indicates the industrial advances that Mussolini advocates and has led to fascist ideology and Italy as a whole. His large face evokes a sense of national pride, as the stoic facial expression and the shadows drawn present him as a powerful Italian patriot who has seen war himself. We found another poster of a young child, captioned, Papa, save me, with a red flag and symbol of communism in the background. This would appeal to upper class, businessmen and the bourgeoisie, due to their fear of communism. In short, it tells Italians that they should be afraid of communism, and that the child is the element of pathos, targeting the audience emotion, telling them that they should act in a way to save the child. Let's move on to cinema and radio. During the later part of his rule, Mussolini changed the film industry and used the cinema to fit the interests of the state. In 1937, he founded Cinzetta movie studios in order to help filmmakers make films with pro-fascist messages. The same year, an Italian movie, titled Scipio Africanus, The Defeat of Hannibal, was released, promoting Italy's African expansionist policy. In 1934, a censorship government body was founded, with the power to read and change movie scripts. They awarded prizes to pro-fascist movies and censored many foreign films. They fully funded movie scripts which had pro-fascist messages in their original versions, whilst any approved movie script could also receive up to 60% of their funding from the state. With this, there was also a directorate general for cinema who was responsible for monitoring it for any fascist messages and approving content. Initially, the usage of the radio for propaganda was neglected by Mussolini, but in 1924 he began to see the potential of the radio as propaganda. The radio began to broadcast several state programs. Although it mainly consisted of music, there were at least two hours of official broadcast each day, and this increased in the 1930s. Additionally, Mussolini made speeches which were broadcast to crowds of people in piazzas, with loudspeakers. This is because at the time, only 40,000 people owned a radio, although by 1938 this had increased to one million, and by 1939, one in 44 households owned a radio. This large increase was likely due to the new Rural Radio Agency, which supplied schools with radios. There was also a fascist leisure and recreational organisation for adults called the National Afterwork Club, Opera Nazionale Dopolo or OND for short. It ran community listening meetings that assisted in the spread of fascist ideology to people in rural areas and to those who could not read. On to rallies and sports. Italy was quite heavily invested in the sport of football, with Mussolini being an avid fan. In regards to sport, they had quite a few aims. Firstly, the fascist regime used football to improve the health and strength of Italian men, possibly as they wanted to be able to recruit a strong army in the event of war. If you think about it, football fits the fascist ideology of collectivism, as it is a team sport. In 1934, Italy hosted the FIFA World Cup, using the opportunity to show off and sell Italian products. Rallies were also held, showing the might of the Italian nation, Italy even won the World Cup that year, and this showed the strength of Italian men even more. Many rallies were held over the years, aiming at impressing audiences, promoting discipline and encouraging national and collective identity. Examples of these rallies include the mass rally which was held in celebration of the seventh anniversary of the fascist march on Rome. Again, in 1936, they organised a mass military parade in which medals were presented to war widows. Next, we look at art, sculpture, and exhibitions. In terms of art, Mussolini banned degenerate art in an attempt to control the public, and only allowed abstract art. As already discussed, posters were created as fascist propaganda, and these were an element of art. Mussolini was also featured in art, where he was depicted as a strong saviour and hero of Italy, so this was also fascist propaganda. With regards to sculptures, a huge sports complex called Foro Italico was created in Italy with the primary aim of Italy hosting the Olympics in 1940. Known originally as Foro Mussolini, basically meaning Mussolini's forum, statues of Italian athletes were built to advertise the success and strength of Italy, and it still exists today as a significant example of fascist architecture. Furthermore, the exhibition of the fascist revolution was held in Rome from 1932 to 1934 and featured art and sculptures. It was opened by Mussolini on the 28th of October, 1932, and during its time there it had 4 million visitors. The show told the story of the evolution of Italian history from 1914 until the march on Rome. It served as a work of fascist propaganda, which aimed at influencing and emotionally involving the audience, whilst it also compared Mussolini to the former emperor Caesar, signifying that Mussolini would bring Italy back to its former glory. Finally, we move on to literature, philosophy, and culture. Firstly, from 1929 to 1936, Encyclopedia Italia was published, also known as Tricani, after its developer Giovanni Tricani. It was aimed at rivaling Britain's encyclopedia. Britannica, although it had a strong focus upon Italy's role in world development, as it aimed at emphasising Italian pride. Secondly, the philosophy of fascism was conveyed through the Manifesto of Fascist Intellectuals. In this, over 200 intellectuals, led by philosopher Gentil, produced this book on the philosophy of fascism, similar to how Mein Kampf showed the philosophy of Nazism, and the writings of Marx and Lenin, the philosophy of communism. This aimed to show that without fascism, there would be no true culture, and to prove that fascism was the one true ideology. Thirdly, in 1928, Mussolini also published his autobiography, recounting his youth, his time as a journalist, his experiences in World War I, the formation of the fascist party, the March on Rome, and his early years in power. Finally, the National Fascist Cultural Institute was established to spread fascist culture to the masses and had over 200,000 mostly middle-class members by 1941. Musicians were forced to join the fascist union of musicians and were forced to reject foreign influences in order to develop cultural authority. Despite this, there was still musical diversity in Italy. Before I end, I want to leave you with a question. Do you agree that the importance of propaganda to Mussolini was like water to fish? Certainly, I believe it was very important, but was it as important as the use of terror and the use of laws, which helped to ensure that the fascists remained in power? I'm not sure it was as important as that, but I would love to hear your opinion. Thank you for listening to this episode of my podcast. Please subscribe to be notified when the next episode releases. In the meantime, you can use the links in the description of this podcast to find additional revision material on my website. You can also DM me and fill in the Google form to provide me with valuable feedback. Thanks and goodbye.